Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined once again by Eric. Oh, yeah. Back. <laughs> oh, man. I wish you had not said that as your first thing. <laughs> uh, but here we are, and I'm not re-recording. I was so. just, you know, I feel like I've been real, I, I feel like I'm always low energy, and I was like, I'm going to go for it. I and then now that. I um, I regret it. Keep it dynamic, you know? <laughs> It's good. I didn't yeah. mean to sh- shame you <laughs> for your choices. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to Light Trees and News. If you're a new listener, hello, I'm Allison, your host. Here's how the show works. We talk about pop culture in the first third of the show. Mm-hmm. Then we get to bad news. But don't worry, we end things with good news. What if you don't like pop culture, I get it. Just fast forward to the music cue. Yeah, just fast forward. And uh, like yesterday, you can hear us talk about math. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Did you have thoughts? Hashtag light trees and pod. Man. Join the conversation. Yeah, if you're into math, tweet me. Let's talk about math. Oh my God, wait. Now that you say that, I think I have a question for you. Guys, I have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. And if you sign up at the $5 a month level or higher over there, you can send questions that will answer on light treason news and oh buddy eric do i have a question you're gonna like oh great because i it's so funny because i uh, i was being a little facetious when i said let's talk about math but i'm actually not being facetious i want to talk okay about it's math. not math related and i've never I, but i will say this i have never gotten more responses on twitter more interactions than when i tweet something about pens dude you have like a cult following for it's, pens. it's crazy so Nicole has like a sort of evergreen question where she, uh, this isn't actually the question I was going to read to you, but we can do both. It's about my co-host hobbies. So I guess you could say math is one of your hobbies and pens. I would say math is a hobby. Pen is more of like a hoarding situation. (laughs) I don't know if I call it. It is a hobby. It's a problem. Um, Yeah, it's a problem, not a hobby. Um, uh, So she just wants to know what our hobbies are. Okay, so uh, I guess my hobby would be cooking. Does that count as a hobby? Hell yeah, it is. Because uh, I, I like cooking. Um, I didn't know that you really cook. Yeah, I do. Huh, interesting. When I have time. Okay. I mean, it, time can be an issue. Sure, um, I feel that. I, for the longest time, would never cook with tofu because every time I would get ready to start a recipe, I was like, okay, so here's what you do. Press the tofu t- for 24 hours. Yeah. And I was like... I didn't plan my meal a day yeah. in advance. You, I'm trying to cook now. You truly have to like anticipate <laughs> when you're going to need tofu. <laughs> like it's so ridiculous. Yeah. I had the same problem with black beans for the longest time because I would buy, I'm like, I'm going to be economical. I'm going to buy like the dry black beans. No, no, no. And no, then no. like it would be like, cool. So what you need to do is soak them overnight. Yep. And I'm like, what? Yes. Who's planning their meals this far in advance? That's why you get the canned beans, yeah, son. Yeah. Yeah. I so I I for the longest time just never cooked with tofu because I was like I don't I I plan my meal when I get hungry. Right. I'm like I'm gonna cook now. Um. Or or if the recipe calls for that, you just accept that you're gonna eat soft tofu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So uh. I mean, probably the longest meal I've made was uh. I tried to make like. I tried to not like half-ass it and tried to make like real legit ratatouille. Mm. Um, and it takes, if you like, there's there's ways to do it quickly and then there's ways to prepare it. Like the Julia Child's ratatouille recipe. She gets in there. It takes like, it takes all day mm-hmm. yeah. because you have to, you slice each vegetable and you individually lay them out and like salt them mm-hmm. and then let the salt get in there and kind of like, bring out the flavor and yep. dehydrate them and then yeah ha- uh, it takes so long that's like if you ever do spanakopita like uh-huh. anytime you work with phyllo dough yeah. if you would like to go insane <laughs> uh, i really recommend making pastries with phyllo dough mm-hmm. because it is paper thin yeah and tears if you look at it wrong. <laughs> yeah it's very it's soothing <laughs> right yeah. um so my other hobbies i really like board games um, and I like collectible card games, mm-hmm. like specifically Magic the Gathering. I'm a pretty avid Magic the Gathering player. Um, what about a little D&D? I don't play D&D as much. Uh, you know I who just got into that? Who? Sally Tamerican. Really? Yep. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, that's a that's a curveball, huh? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I do like D&D. I play a Dungeons & Dragons character in a comedy wrestling show. Um <laughs> 
but I don't play as much because I never had a group. I never had a like D and D group because all my gamer friends were really into board games and card games. And I so feel like really so much games. of D and D really hinges on how good your your dungeon master is. Yeah, totally. You got a good. You gotta have a good dungeon master. Yeah where it's at and all my friends well and when i was when i first like got into gaming all my dnd is very fun but we were much more into like the competitive aspect of gaming you know what i mean like strategy and like like poker yeah yeah stuff like that so yeah i would i do play a lot of poker um but yeah mostly like board games and collectible card games for whatever reason when i was growing up five stud poker was huge really i feel like we played it so much as kids just like hanging out at each other's houses yeah interesting yeah yeah we yeah that's interesting i didn't play it much as a kid it wasn't until like my like gamer friends started i was glad i played as a kid because by the time i got to college i was like fucking good at it yeah 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 um but yeah those those are good hobbies i think those all count as hobbies yeah so sophie wanted to know Mm -hmm. since he's back can i get a music recommendation from eric Ooh. okay hold on she has some requirements Great. Something sort of upbeat to keep me from feeling like I'm dead inside when I have to wake up at 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning to go deal with tourists and entitled businessmen all day at my hotel reception job. Mm-hmm. I feel like he would know. Some uh, some examples of artists I like, Garbage, uh, Santa Gold, Gorillas. I'm pretty open to different styles, though. P.S. Dear Allison, the hotel industry is always hiring, but do you want to do that to yourself? Uh, great question. Sophie. Well, this is a great question for me because I worked in the hotel yeah, industry for say, ten years. This is so your jam, yeah. If you hey, if you want to hit me up on Twitter and talk about the hotel industry, Eric's here. For do him. I have stories? Um, hotel hotel reception, truly one of the most insane, fascinating things Should I've I ever do done it? in my life. Should I do it? No. Okay. There you go. There's my answer. You should read a book about it, though, uh, <laughs> called Heads and Beds. Eric, I'm uh, trying to find a job. Stop telling me to read books. <laughs> uh, I, I think, personally, you you would find it not difficult in, like, the tasks are difficult, but, like, you have to put up with some truly insane people. I mean, you forget I did customer service at Borders for several years, and people are fucking yes, terrible. But unlike Borders, you can't just walk off and, like, I go to another... walk off? You told stories about not doing your job oh, all the time. Oh, that was like if people were like, are you on break? But if I had like a difficult... Oh, yeah. I no, could no, no, just no. walk away. They would fire me. Yeah. No, you had to eat shit. Yeah. It's it's truly insane. And you just see like... hotel People really... The reason I liked it... The reason I liked putting up with all the bullshit and liked the job is because you get to see people's true selves because when people go to hotels they drop all of their like all of their facades Man, and that like is are so their re- their real ids at a hotel yeah I, whenever i'm at a hotel i'm like i am disgusting <laughs> what, why am i doing this um so upbeat music um to get pumped up yeah all right um i'm gonna recommend a few bands i think you would like um now the lyrics are not that upbeat Okay. The lyrics are actually kind of sad a lot of time, but the music's very upbeat, Already and I find brand okay. And I I find it to be very very uh, uh, wonderful music. Is a band called Hop Along. Oh yeah, I mean this is a classic recommendation, specifically the song Waitress. Mm-hmm. Get into it, Sophie. Man, that both they just put out a new record this year. Both rec- uh, all of their records are amazing. Um, I like Hop Along. Uh, the oh uh, uh, the band Joyce Manor. J O Y C E, second word manner, M A N O R. Um, manner as in uh, welcome to the manor. Yes. Okay. M A N O R. Uh, Joyce Manor, and let's see, one more maybe. Um, I've been listening to. I have not heard Joyce Manor. I'll have to check them out. It's a very like I th- yeah I think you would like them actually. A yeah. very cool like pop rock pop punk band. Um, and. Oh yeah, I can't remember if I recommended this on the show, but uh, the band Culture Abuse. You did, I think. Yeah, Culture Abuse, uh, specifically their newest album, Bay Dream, is like Ooh. an amazing. Do you say Bay Dream? Bay Dream, yeah. as in like <laughs> I can't miss hearing everything, <laughs> but like, hey dudes, let's go down to the bay, or like, hi bay, uh, <laughs> like the first one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Words have double meanings, yeah. guys. 
yeah, all those I think would would serve you well. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, good recommendations. So I was trying to think if there's anything else I've been listening to or watching. Is there anything else that you've been reading, watching, or listening to that you wanted to recommend to people or stuff you're looking forward to? Guys, I got my ticket to Venom. Ooh. And I know it's going to be bad. Yeah. But I'm going to be there. I got to see it. What are your thoughts on... I mean, there's not much to base it on, but you're the, the teaser of Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. Uh, okay, so here's the thing. Let's back up a little bit, because before I get to my feelings about Joaquin Phoenix, mm-hmm. I feel like I need to talk about Jared Leto. Okay. So I feel like Jared Leto is an insufferable human being and mm-hmm. was like uh, abusive to people on set and all of that stuff, like yeah. treated Viola Davis like shit and all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not like him as a human being. However, I feel like... And I, I, full disclosure, didn't see Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like, from what I've heard from people about his performance, that he unnecessarily was dragged, I think, for his performance. I I think it's... Like, w- the film was bad, but was he bad? I think it, it was a combination of things. I think the film was bad. I think it's not necessarily that his performance specifically was bad. I think their interpretation of it of the Joker and okay. the Suicide Squad was bad. Sure. It's not that he, it wasn't like the film, it's one of, like, you know, if you've seen like a film that's good, but the actor is bad, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like their performance is bad. Yes. You, it's a big difference between, oh, this is just bad. Mm-hmm. Like he delivered fine, but just all of this is just bad. And I feel like generally he's, he's pretty solid. It's just that he picks roles that highlight his white boy privilege Mm -hmm. and he's insufferable so people don't like him but in terms of like is he just a like a solid actor i think he's probably a solid actor i think he's a very like solid like forgettable actor and the roles he picks are very extreme Mm. and it's not that he necessarily brings anything specific or good to them it's just that the roles he takes on are very like extreme and memorable showy Yeah, yeah but i don't think like what was the uh, was it? What was the movie he was in? Dallas Buyers Club. Yes. Like you know what I mean? Like his role. I never saw it. Is like, I don't know. It's just like I I, th- I feel like every role he takes on, it's like the role is memorable. Like, right. but there's nothing that he did specifically that I'm like, yeah, he was amazing. Right. Like, you know, um, um, he just like picks like extreme roles and d- does them fine. Right. So the reason I bring up Jared Leto is. I feel like Joaquin Phoenix is in a similar position now where basically anyone who tries to play the Joker after Heath Ledger, people are immediately are like, this is going to be shit. Yeah. And I think what people forget is when Nolan... People cast, thought Heath Ledger was going to be terrible. That's what I was about to say. When people forget when Nolan cast Heath Ledger, everyone was like, the dude from Brokeback Mountain, fuck that. Yeah. Like a bunch of homophobic Reddit boys, yeah. like unleashed. When they saw the makeup the first time, they were like, that looks stupid. Mm-hmm. Every step of the way, people were like, it's going to be shit, it's going to be shit. And then it was one of the best performances yeah. of all time. So I'm like, what we know Joaquin Phoenix, again, is he a good human being? Probably not. But like as an actor, has always been really good. I don't know. I'm kind of interested to see... <laughs> I think that his interpretation. I think that he's a guy that's legitimately crazy enough to play the Joker. That's kind of how <laughs> I feel. I'm like, he he goes to really dark places in his performances. Also, unlike Jared Leto, I think Joaquin Phoenix is uh, an a, a legitimately talented. Yes, actor. I would certainly say Joaquin Phoenix is way better than Jared Leto yeah. acting wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, people are shitting on the makeup. I like the makeup. I like that it's a little more clowny. Here's the thing. Uh, I thought Jared Leto's like whole costume and makeup was very over the top in a bad way. Mm-hmm. But I think what people tend to do that I think is bad and I think would be bad for, for film in general is like, you know, Heath Ledger puts on this amazing performance and then people just want that again. They yeah. just want every subsequent well, thing to be thing. exactly like, like that. If, it's like you need difference. If he tries difference. to interpret it in a different way, people are like, but it's not Heath Ledger. Right. It's like, right, nothing's going to be Heath Ledger as yeah. the Joker. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it would be, I think, really disrespectful and a bad idea if he tried to just replicate. It'd be disrespectful and he can't live up to it. Right. Even if he knocked it out of the park, it's like, 
it's still not Heath Ledger. And I don't want somebody that's pretending to be another actor doing this character. Like, we need a different interpretation. So I'm actually, I liked that his his makeup was very colorful and clowny. Um, But it wasn't, uh, it wasn't too over the top. It was like, it felt very, like, tasteful. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. What what do you say to the people who are like, do we really need a Joker film? Like, why why do we need this? Um... I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't think about stuff like that too much. You know, like mm-hmm. I I want to see it. Uh, I, I would like to see Harley Quinn treated better. Yeah. Like I Margot Robbie's so fucking good. I, I almost wish like Margot Robbie had been introduced in the Joaquin Phoenix film because I feel like maybe there would have been a better shot at treating that relationship in a way that is like. Because Harley Quinn is a cool character, but the way she was treated, from what I've heard in the Suicide Squad film, is that she's just sort of this pathetic sycophant who Mm -hmm. follows the Joker and, like, who was a doctor, but then is like, oh, a boy is giving me attention and, like, completely gives up her career. And that is, like, a gross oversimplification in, like, an offensive way about the character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you feel, what what are your thoughts on, like, when you're reinterpreting something that is problematic, do you think as a creator you have uh, an obligation to sort of correct it or to be true to it? Yeah, I don't think we have to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. I Mm -hmm. think like that's why fan fiction's cool, right? Like people take an idea and they're like, well, I'm going to look at it through this lens. Uh I think it's fine to to change stuff like that for sure. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Especially because so much of the comics are problematic. Yeah, yeah. You that's know, well. I, that's what I was wondering because, I, uh, I mean, the big thing with comics is that w- one of the great things about making movies of comic books is that you could never. There's just so many interpretations of each character and so many storylines that you can pull from anything. So like even with like Heath, there's no one true joker because there's so many different right. interpretations of the joker throughout time even by the same writers yes and there you go back and like you know specifically heath ledger was pulling from like the original like the killing joke mm-hmm. uh graphic novel and and other stuff but you could well he was also did you ever hear that uh theory that he was basing his performance off of uh tom waits i've heard that yeah have you ever seen the interview that he based his performance off of? Uh, I don't remember. I'm sure I have. I don't just It's don't fucking uncanny. Really? Like, it really, truly sounds like the Joker. Yeah. Uh, even, like, the mannerisms and stuff. Right. Um, and also the fact that it, w- it you know, aired in Australia and yeah. Heath Ledger definitely saw it. Right, you know? right, right. Uh, so that's interesting. Yeah. He had, like, an idea in his head and mm-hmm. then he saw a physical mannerism and he was like, that's yeah. what I want to do. Yeah, totally. Um, um, but, yeah, it's it's, like, I feel like one of the great things about com- making comic movies is that you can pull from so much and still be true to the character. So, because there's, you know, for every comic book character you can think of, there's probably four or five, you know, minimum storylines that all have a different take on the character and all have different Well, that's another thing. The like. reason we have all of those interpretations is like the writers, of course, don't want to keep doing the same thing over and over yeah, and over again. Yeah. So, why should we see the same depiction of characters over and over and over right. again? Like, there was a reason there was a huge campaign to have Miles Morales instead of Peter Parker, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, how many times... I love Tom Holland. Yeah. But how many times are we going to see the same fucking story rebooted? Right. If I have to see Uncle Ben die one more time, <laughs> I'm going to fucking throw something <laughs> at the screen. I don't care anymore. Yeah. Um. So, like, as opposed to just running these franchises into the ground, let's reimagine them. Because I do think there are certain, like mythological aspects of comic books that you could do forever. Yeah. Like, you know, themes of like loyalty and honor. Right. We can see a million different ways and it'll be entertaining, but you have to change the story. Sure. Um, so yeah, that's my rant about that. Well, that's cool. I'll see the fucking Joker movie. I'll do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely going to see it. If I'm going to see Venom, I'm going to see the Joker <laughs> movie, you know? Yeah. Come on. 100%. A hundred percent. By the way, Riz Ahmed and Tom Hardy could not look more bored on this press <laughs> circuit. It is extraordinary to watch them. Yeah. If you haven't seen them, 
like be interviewed. There's one interview where a guy is doing his impression of Bane for Tom Hardy. Oh my god! And Tom Hardy's staring at him, and Riz just keeps going, "That's pretty good, right?" And looking at Tom, and he's like, "That, that was pretty good." Like it is the most awkward thing you'll ever see. I think Tom Hardy as Tom Hardy as great of a career as he's had. <laughs> I still think somehow is maybe the most underutilized actor 100%. in Hollywood. He's amazing. Guys, if you have not seen Locke, go watch Locke. Dude, Locke? That is Bronson. One of the, I mean, but I truly Locke is one of the best performances I've yeah. ever seen, and I'm like that dude can do that. Yeah. But even like Mad Max, like he doesn't talk Mad in the Max, movie. Yeah, Mad and Max, like, Mad Max, know, and and Bane for everything that people like to say about his voice in Bane. Like what he does physically in Bane He's wonderful. is great. He's also getting really tired of acting. So yeah. I don't know how much longer he's going to do films. <sighs> that bums me out. Which is he's what so he talented. says. But then it's like, dude, you got two kids. Like yeah. he's going to need to make money. Uh, anyway, this is me just speculating about Tom Hardy's career. Guys, let's get to your bad news. Oh. I'm sorry. So this first story, I literally had to just Google if there was an update to the story because it's been changing minute by minute. Mm -hmm. Rod Rosenstein. Man, <laughs> what a ride. What a ride. What uh, a ride. It was like watching... It was like watching a television show in real time. Well, it was also a great example of, hey, press, maybe we should not report on things until we're sure those things are going to happen. Yeah. Is that chair comfortable? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. You just keep moving. Yeah. No, no. The chair is fine. It's my back that's messed up. Oh, okay, <laughs> It's okay. my back that is bad. Got no, I was just curious because we took the legs off of it because there were issues. So yeah. No, yeah. I, I actually like the chair a lot. Okay, great. Uh, so if you were watching TV or were on Twitter earlier in the week, you saw the Rod Rosenstein <laughs> drama unfolding in real time. I wish I had a TV uh, to watch this as it was like breaking because I feel like it would have been like... The most boring version of like <laughs> like the OJ chase, like the OJ Bronco chase. Right. When oh, people yeah. are like, Rod Rosenstein's walking down the street sassy. Oh, yeah. Like, no, he literally <laughs> was like that. Does he look sad? Does he look sad right now? Did he get fired? So a little bit of background in case you haven't been following this story. Uh, Rod Rosenstein talked last year about invoking the 25th Amendment and wearing a wire during Trump meetings. And this came to light. Um, because the New York Times' Adam Goldman and Michael Schmidt reported on it last week. He has denied both allegations, but the allegations are out there, so of course there's been a lot of speculation about if Trump is going to fire him or not mm -hmm. and what that would mean in terms of the Mueller investigation and, yeah. and how it would look for this White House to do that and all of that stuff. So... And like literally the media minute by minute was like, he is going to get fired. Right. We don't know if he's going to get fired. Oh my God, he got called to the White House. Oh my God, is he going to go to the White House? Yeah. So the update, at least of right now, is that Trump is going to meet with Rosenstein today on Thursday. Yeah. So that's the last update we have to that. What do you think about all of this? I just think like people have got, I understand that media companies need to make money and they do that by getting clicks and you get clicks by being the first person to break a story but there's people have got to slow the hell down and and like in the same way that like <laughs> in the same way that like they were it wasn't even just that they were breaking like oh, he's going to the White House. They were like putting out articles that were like, Rod Rosenstein is going to the White House and expects to be fired. Yes. Like they were yeah. interviewing him in real time and that's what he was telling them. And he wasn't. No, it was all speculation. It was that, all this speculation. This is another just clear example of how you should not watch 24-hour news. Because they were making up the story as they went along mm -hmm. just to fill space. Yeah. And in this case, it was actually like really irresponsible and and i would even say like borderline dangerous because they kept like floating stuff out there that was not true yeah you don't know who's watching it we know for a fact that trump watches 24-hour news yeah, yeah like yeah. what he's seeing how that's going to impact his his decisions like oh god you have to be so careful what you put out there right yeah um, or could you imagine like 
I don't know, like being Rod Rosenstein's family, <laughs> like yeah. watching TV and yeah. like, you know, even if he was going to the White House for a meeting, it's like, all you know is that he's going for a meeting and then all of a sudden like the news is saying that he's already been fired. Some people were saying he's been fired. Yeah. I mean, originally this story got a lot of attention because it is extraordinary that the deputy attorney has so little faith. By the way, the 25th Amendment is about, I, sh- I guess I should explain this, uh, is about if the president is like impaired in any way, whether physically or mentally. Removing him from removing office. Removing him from office. So the fact that the deputy attorney general felt so strongly, <laughs> allegedly, right, because he denies this. Right, right, right. That yeah, he said it was a joke. He's Yeah, and which I would totally believe. Yeah. I I mean, personally, I would say something off the cuff like that. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, maybe yeah. I should wear a wire. This guy is clearly <laughs> a loon, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But now that it's been taken so seriously... Because it is extraordinary that a deputy attorney general would even ingest, say, something like, mm-hmm. I think the president is so impaired that I should <laughs> wear a wire when yeah. I meet him to prove that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That is a big deal. Yes. I understand why the New York Times reported on it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I just think it's, I mean, it is wild. I don't know what the meeting on Thursday is going to be about. Um, Do you think Trump will fire him? I don't know. I I can't. I'm. That's another thing. Like anybody trying to read tea leaves at this point, who the fuck knows what Trump will do? I He's so fucking unpredictable. I don't know. I mean, like. Uh I'm starting to wonder if he's calmed down a little bit, not like mentally, just like uh, that would be so bad for him. Uh, yeah, that's the that. Thing, I like, just I have to imagine somebody is going. You can't. I mean, I think every calculation is being in ma- it, that they're making right now is has to do with the Mueller investigation. Yeah, obviously. of course. So, like. If they fire the deputy attorney general, what will that mean for the Mueller investigation? Right, right, right. Is this just more ammo they're handing them? Right. But also, I don't know. Like, when Trump is one-on-one with someone, is he listening to his advisors? I don't know. I mean, he has, like, kind of slowed down on, like, firing people. Because <laughs> there was, He's like... tuckered out. <laughs> for, like, the six months after he got, like, elected, it was just, like... Tur- it was, like, his turnover in the White House was worse than, like, a fast food restaurant. It was right. just, like... But, I mean, like, he didn't... He hasn't gotten rid of, like... I don't know, like Jeff Sessions, and even though he said he doesn't have an attorney general, yeah. <laughs> like, which I said this before on the show, but is truly my favorite, like Mariah Carey moment when mm-hmm. she puts on her sunglasses uh-huh. and she goes, "I don't know her." Uh-huh. It's like Mariah, you know her, <laughs> but like you don't exist to me. Yeah, it's so dramatic. Yeah, um, and not something you want the president to say. Yeah, you do have an attorney general. <laughs> I don't like Jeff Sessions, but you do have yeah, an attorney general. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so. Oh, yeah. I teased this on yesterday's episode, but I wanted to talk about the culture of sexual harassment and sexual predators at NBC News. Um, This is truly a horrifying picture on this article. Ooh, yeah. So it's the NBC Peacock, but in the feathers are all the sexual predators. Had I not known anything about this article or any of these people, I would have guessed all of them were sexual predators. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying that because they're old white men. For well, the most part. Yeah, but they look they look like predators. <laughs> they do look like predators. <laughs> so uh, this is from the Daily Beast, and I'll link to it at our Lipson page. We are lighttreasonnews.lipson.com. That's where you can find all of the stories that we talk about every episode. So uh, yeah, the, the byline or the, the sub-headline of this is a Sony executive who sent porn to women at work an alleged harasser who reviewed NBC's Weinstein, uh, Weinstein story. From one company to another, scandals emerge under Andy Lack's leadership. Um, and Andy Lack is the NBC News chairman mm-hmm. who has been covering for Predators. Great. Um, so, yeah, that's the thing. Like, whenever you have, a, a like, a huge executive, like Harvey Weinstein... Mm-hmm. That person doesn't exist in a vacuum. That person has been able to thrive as a sexual predator Mm -hmm. for decades because of a culture of culpability. Yeah. And that includes other men covering for them, probably also participating in similar behavior. And they're all covering each other's asses. Yeah. So we were talking about on yesterday's episode, the only solution for when there's such widespread institutional rot like that, Mm -hmm. clear house. 
You have to. Every single one of them has yeah. to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't get a redemption narrative here. No, no, You've no. had decades to correct course and you have not done mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. I feel this way about the Catholic Church, too. Right. Gut it, gut it, gut it. Yeah. If you want to save it, which I'm not saying it should be saved. Right. Like, I'm not here to advocate for giant media empires. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it should just go down. Right, You know, right, I'd right. be fine with that, too. Yeah, yeah. But if you want to save the institution, quote, unquote, you have to gut it. Yeah, I. but I also think... I mean, my personal opinion is that the size of the institution is the reason that it's able to do that. A hundred percent. Because all these people are, you know, I mean, A, you have so many levels of separation within the institution um, from the top down. So, you know, these people at the top basically become untouchable. Uh, But also just like the, the immense power and wealth within the institution, like... There's a reason that it gets covered up and that like women don't want to come forward because um, they need their job mm-hmm. and the men at the top control these vast sums of wealth uh, and all this power within their industry. So, you know, like, I mean, that was Weinstein's whole deal. It was like, you know, the reason he was able to get around, you know, the reason that it was quote unquote like an open secret and then he was able to get away with it for so long is because... You know, you know. Essentially, if you wanted a movie made, you had to go through him at some point, right. and all these people wanted to make or movies. Win an Oscar, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. sort of like, you know, these people. You know, they make calculated decisions, and and you know, uh, obviously, it's not right to do, but they make a decision. It's like, uh, do I go through the process of like trying to tell my story and be put through the ringer as? all of these you know accusers accusers have been you know you see what they go through in the media when they come out with their accusations but you know it's like that or do i you know and then a lot of them have been ostracized from their own industry right and basically have to start their life completely over yeah uh so i wanted to read a little bit from the article about andrew lack and what he's been accused of so he's been under fire for his handling of sexual misconduct allegations at the network, including one against his ex-friend and former star anchor, Matt Lauer. But years earlier at another company, Lack protected a, a male employee who sexually harassed multiple women, uh, according to so, uh, sources who spoke to the Daily Beast. Lack was chairman and CEO of Sony BMG Music Entertainment in 2004, When, according to former high-level Sony executives, the company discovered that a music executive named Charlie Walk had sent sexual messages via company email to female employees, including graphic pornography. Soon after finding the messages, executives said they repeatedly implored Lack to address Walk's sexual harassment. Each time, Lack declined to act. That's a really telling example. Uh, Like of how little these guys give a shit mm-hmm. about getting caught. He sent all these messages through his company email. Yeah. That is saved on a server. Yep. And is accessible to everyone in the in the institution. Yep. And that's how little he cared about getting caught. I have a friend who is a lawyer for one of the big like financial firms. Uh-huh. And her whole job is to monitor their emails to make sure they don't do shit like this. Yeah. But she's like she constantly, every day, she has a nine to five job and she spends the entire time contacting these douchebags to be like, hey, don't send your dick to people, idiots. Yeah. 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 On company email. Yes. <laughs> That's the thing. Oh, my God. I remember a while ago, Dave Eggers wrote this book, The Circle. Yeah. And like part of his male fantasy about how to, quote unquote, fix the Internet is that no one could hide behind anonymity and you would have to use your real name. Yeah. And I was like, do you know how many death threats I've gotten from work emails? Yeah. Like they don't give a shit. They don't give a shit. About getting caught. That's the other thing about like big, powerful institutions is that in any sort of organization you have the problem with, with these big institutions is that in any size organization, like when you have a complaint, you know, it goes to like an HR and it goes all the way up to the top. The problem is if the person at the top doesn't give a shit, <laughs> right. then w- you have no recourse. Can you imagine a sexual predator going to Harvey Weinstein and be mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry I was a sexual predator. Yeah. Harvey would be like, it's all right, man. I'm a sexual predator too. Yeah. And then they high five. Right. 
And they or walk like, around yeah, in bathrooms imagine, all day. Yeah, imagine like being a woman in Harvey Weinstein's organization and like having, you know, having a complaint against another executive and like you take it to HR and they're like, okay, we'll refer this to Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> it's like great yeah like what what is he gonna do like that's that's the issue with these large institutions uh so i also wanted to talk about the trump administration's new immigration proposal that is essentially class warfare um so under the proposed new rule use of public benefit benefits including food stamps medicaid and section 8 housing vouchers will be considered heavily weighted negative factors in green card applications incentivizing low-income immigrant families to go without necessities like food and health care in order to strengthen their immigration cases wow 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 and just further shows like because I said this was class warfare, but it's also racist as fuck, right? Mm -hmm. Because Trump has always claimed like he's not anti-immigration. He's just anti-immigration from quote unquote certain countries. Right, right, right. And what that means is like poor brown countries. Yes. And poor brown people. He doesn't want them to come to the United States because he's a fucking racist. Right, right. And a classist. Yeah. Um, And those two have a lot in common, obviously. Mm -hmm. But that fucked up. Yeah, that's really fucked up. I mean, it's, you know, they don't want them to use any of these public benefits they don't want them to have jobs they don't want them to do anything it's genocidal yeah it is like truly the the opening clarion call of full genocide yeah i mean yeah it's you know i think people just don't take into consideration enough that even you know like when these guys are against quote unquote in their words illegal immigration you know, they have a lot of supporters who are like, yeah, we just follow the law. And then when they're against regular immigration, legal immigration, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think people are, are, you know, their supporters try to justify it. And I don't think enough people sort of like appreciate that. Like when they are against legal immigration, it's because it's, they want like, a white ethno state a hundred percent it's ethnic cleansing yes like to be against uh, it it has no uh, because you you can't make there's no case there's no like in the like in their mind like what what they would consider an objective case against immigration like if you were going to say like it's an economic you know uh like having more immigration is an economic detriment that's not true right there's no case for it. And also the fact that, you know, immigration numbers have been going down. Like there's yeah. nothing on their side to support that we are being like invaded and it's hurting us economically. No. Also <laughs> the idea that we're being overrun. Have you been anywhere in the Midwest? There's so much land just oh. uh, being unused. Yeah. I mean, you <laughs> can make the argument that like where uh, our infrastructure is falling apart and yeah. we, have a lot of poor people who rely on public transportation and need to live in cities like and maybe we could do better with like urban planning of course we have to we i mean that that you could easily make the argument but in terms of like there's too many mexicans and that's why it's happening is stupid and wrong absolutely unbelievable also in the same breath these are the people who don't want to take care of their elderly parents and rely on you know immigrants to do work like that yeah and to like pick their food and and slaughter cows and all of that stuff yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course. So uh, this article in Esquire, which is detailing this new proposed rule, says that the effects on the children of immigrants, most of whom are themselves American citizens, could be absolutely monstrous. Mm-hmm. Parents would be forced to decide whether to let their kids go hungry, knowing that feeding their children with the help of food stamps could one day contribute to their families being broken up by de- deportation. This is all despite the fact that immigrants avail themselves of benefits at lower rates than do native-born Americans. Of course they That's do. another like myth that, you know, they're they're leeches on the the welfare state. Right, 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 right. No, they're they're not actually. They work incredibly hard. A lot of them are very wary to get benefits that they might actually qualify for yep. because they don't want to be on the radar of, of the federal government because they could get deported. Mm-hmm. Their kids are citizens. Yeah. So now you're advocating that 
Americans, American right. citizens, should be deprived of food and housing because you're pissed at their parents. Yeah. Because you're a bunch of racists. Right. It's it's pure. It's pure. Just you know. Uh, it's pure ethnic cleansing. A hundred percent. Uh, guys, it's that time of the show. That was a lot of heavy stuff, but guess what? Good news. It's the good news. Yay. So first good news story, I'm actually going to play an audio clip of this campaign ad because wowie, wow, wow, wow. Uh, and I think I'm just going to play it first and then we'll discuss it yeah. afterwards. N- nothing up front. Let's just hear <laughs> it. Here it is. None of this is pleasant for any of us. It's horrible to have to do this. To speak up against my brother, it brings sadness to me. This isn't just about Paul. This is about their family. I think my brother has traded a lot of the values we had at, the, at our kitchen table. I couldn't be quiet any longer, nor should any of us be. We got to stand up for our good name. This is not who we are. It's intervention time. And intervention time means that you go to vote and you go to vote Paul out. My name is Tim Gosar. My name is Jennifer Gosar. Gaston Gosar. Joan Gosar. Grace Gosar. David Gosar. Paul Gosar is my brother. My brother. My brother. And I endorse Dr. Brill. Dr. Brill. Dr. Brill. And I wholeheartedly endorse Dr. David Brill for Congress. I'm Dr. David Brill, and I approve this message. So just to recap, even though I'm sure everybody understood what just happened, this is six siblings who took out a campaign ad Mm -hmm. against their Republican brother who is running, um, he's a congressman, Paul Gosser, a Republican from Arizona, and he is facing uh, an election against Democratic opponent David Brill. That is, I mean, honestly, maybe the best political ad I've ever seen. It is fucking devastating (laughs) so when i originally saw the campaign ad i thought david brill got in contact with six siblings Uh of paul gosser and was like hey do you want to be in my ad which is extraordinary enough that they would agree they took out the ad (laughs) what yeah the fuck like First of all, Thanksgiving is going to be incredibly awkward. Oh, man. I can't even imagine. You, have you seen his tweet in response to it? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I remember that it ends with the line, Stalin would be proud. <laughs> he hates his siblings so much, and it is mutual. Man. My God. That is just great. But do you need... I mean, like, is there any more devastating indictment than your entire family being like, he's a piece of shit? God, I whoever made that ad, I know they took it out, but whoever made it and like put it together is going to be set for life. I mean, like, and there's just barely contained rage in all <laughs> of their voices. Like, they hate him so much. And obviously, I think it's hilarious because he's a Republican. It's so good. And his family is, are clearly like, if not raging liberals, yeah. then moderate enough to know that he's an extremist. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's so good. It's just like the way they do it with the reveal in the middle. Oh, it's so good. Penny's eating something and I don't know <laughs> what it is. What are you eating? Oh, I'm horrified. So, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Also, this is a good news update and a very sad story that we've been covering, but I thought we should give the update because I'm sure people are wondering what's happening with uh with everything so the dallas police department has fired amber geiger who is the officer who shot um botham jean inside his own apartment Mm -hmm. who murdered him so originally the dallas police department was dancing around like why they hadn't fired her yet yeah and originally they were sort of saying like it would be illegal for us to do it at this time because of like 
the union, the police officers union. Yeah. Until there was like an investigation and all right, of that stuff. But there right. was enormous pressure on them. Yeah. And now they have officially fired her. Now, the bad news to that is she can very easily move and get another job at a different police department. Right, of course. We see that happen that all happens the time. constantly. Yeah. 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 That happened in um, the case of Tamir Rice. The police officer who shot and killed him had gotten multiple violations at different departments, yeah, yeah. and he just moved to a different department. Right, right, right. That should definitely change. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like in terms of our our wish list of what we could change in terms of police brutality, the yeah. fact that you can so easily just move and get another job. Yeah, that's crazy. Should not be the case. Um, so she has been arrested. She has been charged with manslaughter. Uh, she posted a $300,000 bond and was quickly released. So we know where that money probably came from. Uh-huh. The police union. <laughs> um, that's what they do. They get them out of jail super quick, and then they coach them to yeah. have a coherent story. Right. Uh, so that they can be like, I, my life was jeopardized when I broke into that man's apartment and executed him. Um. So yeah, we'll we'll keep bringing you updates on that. But I thought it was good news that she at least has been fired. There's been some version of accountability. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see what happens at the end of the investigation. Same. I I don't listen. I know we live in an incredibly racist society. I know that police officers officers routinely get away with a bunch of bullshit. I don't know how they're going to rationalize. That's the thing with that case is that. Even in the most egregious examples, like you can always see a way that the police can flip it in their favor. Yeah, even like Mike Brown. I was gonna say his yeah, hands Mike Brown. were up, but it, it was sort of like it will come down to Darren Wilson's version of what happened. And Mike Brown's dead. Yeah. So he came up with, up with this bullshit. He rushed me. He yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. They were able to come up with a narrative, you know, like, oh, Mike Brown had shoplifted, right. so yeah. he it, was a bad kid. Yeah, they were in an altercation. So, you know, anytime there's an altercation, the cops can very easily be right. like, oh, well, it was an altercation. And, you know, uh, that's one of the issues that we have is that written into sort of like the fabric of our country is that the law enforcement has a monopoly on violence. And not so, just law enforcement, because it's like, George Zimmerman and Trayvon Martin. George Zimmerman was stalking Trayvon Martin. Right, right, right. Trayvon Martin fought back, and that was enough to give George Zimmerman, like, a reasonable excuse to execute him. So, like, Um, stranger things have happened, but this is so egregious. Even, like, the cops' story doesn't make sense. At all. Even the cops' story in the most sympathetic version to the cop is, like, she went to the wrong apartment and got scared, yeah. So she shot a guy in his home because he didn't follow her commands while she was off duty and in the wrong apartment. And now, I mean, there are witnesses saying like, yeah, they're, they're, they're she shooting knocked inst- for yeah. a while on the door. Yeah. So like already her story is sort of falling yeah. apart. But even her, like even the most sympathetic story to her is unexcusable. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so in the time we have left, Eric, is there anything you've seen or overheard in the city that made you smile. And if not, uh, like anything you're looking forward to or any wrecks that occurred to you mm. later in the show. Oh, my goodness. Pressure. The pressure's on. Oh, man. Um, let's see. Things that have made me smile. Uh, well, I've just been a real... <laughs> I've been unemployed for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. And I've just been just a real piece of shit about it. I mean, Just you say a piece of shit, but when you tell me like why you think you're a piece of shit, it sounds like you were just relaxing. I mean, that's basically it. I just spent like three weeks not doing anything, just staying in my house um, and, uh, you know, just laying on the couch. <laughs> Sorry. Watching TV. I just got a casting notice from uh-huh. UCB and like truly I was born for this role. Woman two, early 30s, female, all ethnicities, a stressed out woman. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Get it. Sorry. Uh, that's y- a great That's a great role. Oh, man. That was so funny. I was just like, I don't know if I'm qualified <laughs> for the... Oh, I am. Yeah. It, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's me. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Um, yeah. 
I don't know. Um, I worked on a music video yesterday, and like I don't know, just being a part of that process was very fun and interesting, and and cool to see something like that being made. That made me smile. Um, just seeing stuff like that being made, I like that. I like watching people make things. Hell yeah, dude. Um, so what am I looking forward to? Oh, I'm going to the DC Improv Festival soon. That's cool. Oh, guys, I have to mention this. Oh, no. So when I uh, say I'm going to the DC Improv Festival, uh, I'm going to be very busy. I'm going to be doing improv shows. Very flattered you want to hang out with me. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, not going to have time. Yeah. Doesn't mean I don't love you all. But mm-hmm. yeah, that was not an invitation for people <laughs> to tweet me and ask to hang out with me. Yeah. Uh, as much as I appreciate it. Don't feel weird about it. I just thought I should address that. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I'm literally like just going for shows and stuff right, with right, my right. improv team. So I'm yeah. not going to have like, if I have like social time, it's going to be to hang out with my improv team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun. That's great. I'm playing some shows with some bands Hell over the yeah. next couple of weeks. Do you yeah. want to plug any of them? Let's see. Um, yeah, I can plug a couple of shows. Um, uh, let's see. This Saturday, September 29th, while you're in D.C., mm-hmm. I'm going to be thriving, playing, thriving, just mm-hmm. killing it. I'm going to be playing a show in Asbury Park, New Jersey, mm-hmm. venturing into the wild lands of New Jersey um, to play a show with uh, this punk band I played for called Muscle Before Paradise, mm-hmm. playing name. at the Asbury Park Brewery, I believe it's called. Ooh, um, fancy, fancy. On October 1st, I'm playing with uh, this malaysian songwriter named hamir zawawi i'm playing with him at pianos in new york city hell yeah pianos is dope i've never been i've never I've been or been played there, there for comedy venues yeah or venues gigs comedy shows. gigs comedy shows yeah i've never been there before um i'm looking forward to it um october 4th i'm playing in brooklyn with muscle before paradise again um I'll post it all on Twitter and, and social media. I just picked up a gig playing bass for somebody's one-woman show <laughs> on October 12th. What kind of show is it? Uh, it's just like a storytelling wow. like character show, I think. That's cool. Somebody's one-woman show. Dude, we found out uh, I'm on Boogie Manja at the pit. No mm-hmm. big deal. Uh, it's a sketch team. And we just found out one of our actors plays the piano beautifully. So what? suddenly all of the writers are like, we got to have musical sketches. Yes. Like it is such a handy skill to be able to play an instrument. Let me come play bass for your Boogie Manja team. Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. I'll tell people that mm-hmm. I have a ready and willing basis. Yeah. I picked up. Yeah. I'm doing her one woman show. It was, I just, somebody got in contact with me through another like comedian. and was like, do you want to do this? I was like, yeah, all right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds great. Money, money, money. Yeah. And then um, doing that and then going, <laughs> I'm leaving that show and immediately going to do my comedy wrestling show in October, on mm-hmm. October 12th. So that's going to be a fun night. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just uh, got stuff coming up. And then, uh, yeah, like I said, I started a new job, uh, which is going to be fun and exciting and not as stressful as my last job, which would be nice. Hell yeah. Dude, your job was so ridiculously stressful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like you worked for NASA. I real I did not like a few weeks into my tour after I had been like not worked for a couple of weeks I was like oh yeah I was having like a nervous breakdown oh my god yeah like <laughs> you were on your phone so much mm-hmm. I was like this is not normal yeah uh what was I gonna say it had something to do with that oh should I plug cage match is that weird I think you should play cage okay. match. So, guys, my Lloyd team's on a bit of a cage match run. Uh, if you don't know what cage uh, match is... A bit of a cage match run. A good cage match run. It's a good run. So, cage match is a improv competition slash uh, pr- or amateur wrestling. <laughs> a comedy wrestling show. Comedy wrestling show at uh, UCB Hell's Kitchen. And I don't wrestle. I just do improv. You're welcome. <laughs> so, my team... I think this is like our sixth week uh yeah it is i counted yes sixth week (laughs) this week on a thursday so if you want to see a show very late in hell's kitchen at 11 o'clock at night thursday 11 p.m ucb hell's kitchen come on out vote for promises i'll probably be there you should be there this might be my last week i can come (gasps) why 
Because my new job starts in it. So it's, oh. it's a night job. Remind me of the job again. I am going to be doing uh, like tech slash reception work for a music yes. rehearsal studio. Right, right, right. Because in New York, nobody can practice in their own homes. Yes. Because uh, everybody lives in close proximity Noise to each other. Noise complaints. So in New York, there is a lot of music rehearsal studios. So they, you know, set up a space with like 20 rooms. They're all like soundproof or close to soundproof and like you put uh, they put a bunch of gear in there so you don't have to lug all your shit around town mm-hmm. so a bunch of musicians come in and just rent them by the hour mm-hmm. um once a week you know for three hours and it's because you know people don't have garages or just like spare sp- nobody has free space in new york so right uh so the there's all these rehearsal studios around new york and they we have pay them. for everything in new york yeah it's nothing's free it's great even even the lowliest of of art forms like improv we have to rent a room once a week mm-hmm. yep, <laughs> yep. to practice because we can't do it anywhere else uh the other day i was at rehearsal for Boogie Manja and I walked into the show too early and I guess it was a bunch of like circus performers mm-hmm. practicing their routine and I was wow. like, wow, they even need to rent space. <laughs> there was like a dude doing a handstand. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's New York. Yeah. Uh, guys, did you know you just listened to a 100% listener supported show? What? That's why there was no ads. That's why I'm looking for a second job. Uh, go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button because you keep us going for as little as $5 a month or a one-time donation. Yeah. You can also go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. For as little as a dollar a month, you can support me over there. $5 a month, you get to send questions that we'll answer on Light Treason News and you get access to bonus episodes like our review of Infinity War or Riverdale. We do like a deep dive into yeah. some of your favorite fandoms over there. Ooh. Also, if you have any requests about what you want us to do for bonus episodes, uh, hashtag Light Trees and Pod. If you guys want me to Twitter. review Hell's Kitchen, I'll do that. Eric <laughs> will talk at length about Hell's Kitchen, which will be extra interesting because I don't watch Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> so I can just do color commentary uh-huh. the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, guys, um, $10 a month over at Patreon. You get to do the online hangouts that are ever so much fun. Nice. I got to do, oh, I completely forgot that I started another The Window Field report yeah. with Eric. We oh, saw, I, don't talk about it. A dream finally came true. I was a guest on The Window Podcast. <laughs> I've been trying for years to get on the window. We it saw finally something happened. so weird that I immediately <laughs> like pulled us over and I like whipped out my phone and I was like, Eric, we have to talk about what what's just funny happened. Is, <laughs> we saw it. We talked about it. You pulled me aside, took out your phone. I didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about it more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, you just whipped out your phone and were like, talk about what we just saw. And I was so excited to talk about <laughs> it. I had no idea what we were doing. Yeah, because I'm trying to get in the habit that when I'm walking around the city to record what I'm seeing. But you guys know, like, it's hard to change your behavior. Mm-hmm. So I, I keep forgetting to do it. But yeah. the window field reports will o- also be over at my Patreon for my $5 a month supporters and higher. Yeah. Uh, so please go sign up there. Nice. Yeah, guys. Uh, any other last minute items? Mm. Anything you want to tell people to do? Uh, watch Hell's Kitchen. Watch it. <laughs> Learn to cook because it's awesome. You know, I was just one of the comedy people I follow on Instagram cooks in bulk. And yeah. I was like, I remember when I was a responsible person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got to start doing that again. Oh, man. It's fall. It's soup season. Ooh, I'm soups. making some big pots of soup. I'm going to eat soup tonight. You know why? My Boogie Manja team meets at Panera Bread to pitch. Oh, nice. Oh, that's I'm going to buy some soup. Ooh, that black bean soup from Panera is good. So good. They also have a vegan uh, squash soup that's very good. What? Yeah. That's new. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about that. It is new because used to be back in the day at Panera, the only vegan soup they had the was a black soup. bean soup, yeah. which used to not actually be vegan. Did I ever tell you that story? No. During college, a friend of mine worked at the Panera Bread and yeah. I used to go in all the time and order ba- black bean soup because I was like, of course it's vegan. It's just black beans. Yeah. She's like, you know, there's cheese in it, right? What? I was like, what the fuck? But apparently they actually got rid of that. Yeah. I was going to say I, that would have been before my time. She's like, I Panera. thought you'd want to know. And I was yeah. like, I do want to know. Yeah. I thought it was vegan. <laughs> Of the time, I can't remember if I've told this story on the podcast before, but just very quickly, I went to it in the old, like, uh, my hometown, like the very small hometown in Alabama that I'm from. One time, I went to a Japanese restaurant and oh. they had uh, 
they had an appetizer. I was owing because I know this story. Right, right. Not about Japanese food. Uh, They had an appetizer called a fried avocado ball, which to me, I was like, that sounds literally like a dream. Yeah. Just deep fried avocado. Just fried avocado, yeah. Deep fried avocado, what a treat. And so we ordered it and it was Faith and I and they brought it out and we both like picked up a piece and it's literally just like a full avocado cut and quartered and deep fried. Beautiful. It's a, th- a work of art. Mm-hmm. And so we took a big bite into it and we're like, there's a weird like extra taste in here and we can't quite figure it because it's all mushy on the inside. We can't figure out what it is, but there's definitely something over here. So I called the waitress over and I was like, hey, what's uh, what's in here with the avocado? And she goes, oh, um, spicy tuna. Sure. Sure. Why isn't that on the fucking menu <laughs> under ingredients? <laughs> yeah. Spicy tuna? Yeah. They definitely throw that in with ingredients. Yes. It was and what's funny is like it's a Japanese restaurant. So every like every piece of sushi has like parentheses and what's all in the sushi. Yes. This just said fried avocado bar. Why would you assume tuna would no, be in there? No extra ingredients, no nothing. Like cheese, maybe like I when cheese gets thrown into stuff, I'm like, okay, I get why you didn't explicitly yeah. say and cheese, uh-huh. spicy, spicy tuna? tuna. Give us a heads up, <laughs> just a shout. Yeah, guys, please follow Eric on Twitter at Eric E R E K underscore Smith. Please go to lighttreason.news, smash that donate button. Thank you so much for listening, and while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>